This is Talkin' Mule Deer with your hosts, Steve Belinda and Jody Stemmler. Talkin' Mule Deer takes you on a journey to learn more about the Mule Deer Foundation, Mule Deer and Blacktail Deer Biology and Management, tips and tactics for hunting, conservation issues, and even features some of our corporate and celebrity partners. Now, let's start talking Mule Deer. Hi, this is Steve Belinden from the floor of the Western Hunting Expo in Salt Lake City. And today we've got uh, Nick Pinizzato with the National Deer Alliance and Chad Clickenberg with uh, the Montana Regional Director of the Mule Deer Foundation. Welcome, gentlemen. Good to Thank be you. here, Steve. Good Thanks to see you. Me. So, National Deer Alliance, Nick, tell us about this organization and, you know, how you got to where you're at and how its relationship is with the Mule Deer Foundation. Absolutely. So the National Deer Alliance, is we're still really young, so some of your listeners may not have even heard of us yet. Uh, we're going into what I would say is our truly our third year. The organization's been around a little longer than that, but it was in a much different form uh, a few years ago. But going into our third year, and essentially we function as a policy umbrella for groups like the Mule Deer Foundation, Whitetails Unlimited, QDMA, Whitetail So you're all deer. But we're all deer species, so right. even even the little key deer down in Florida, uh, we get got involved with them a little bit last year in some of the oh, things. Oh, the hurricanes, facing. yeah, yeah, the hurricanes, and then the screw worm outbreak was was kind of nasty. But uh, so yeah, National Deer Alliance, we focus on policy. We don't get involved in the on the ground type work that the Mule Deer Foundation may, but we serve a nice role for them because we can focus on the policy and let them do the on the ground work, service their members. We don't have a paid membership at the NDA. It's, it's free to sign up for our newsletter, so we're a little bit different that way. And uh, in terms of myself, how did, how did I get here? That's, a <laughs> that's probably a long answer to that question. Well, I know also. you're a fellow Pennsylvania. I, I am, I actually, so. yeah. So people that are listening to me are saying, that guy talks funny. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Pennsylvanian as well. Grew up near Pittsburgh, always been a deer enthusiast. And this, on a personal level, obviously, would be right up my alley, but always aware of deer issues and involved with deer issues. And my entire career has been in conservation and, and nonprofit conservation groups uh, over 20 years in that. So it just make a very long story shorter. Uh, that's basically how I ended up where I'm at now. But Chad, what about you? How'd you get to be working with the Mule Deer Foundation? Uh, well, I uh, went to school in Montana and uh, started out with AFWA in D.C. and then was with the Elk Foundation. And that's the Association of Fish and Wildlife Agencies. Correct, yep. And then I was with the Elk Foundation for five years uh, out in Oregon. And Doing I'm, something similar? Yep, uh, regional director, basically same position that I'm in now, um, just a little less land operation, a little bit more fundraising. Um, then got an opportunity to, to uh, jump on with the Mule Deer Foundation, move back to Montana. And that's where I'm at now. And, and so you're, you're in the Bozeman area. How many chapters do you have in Montana right now? Oh, we've got 14 active chapters in Montana. Oh, right wow. Now. So it's, yep. that's quite a big uh, uh, duty list for you to be pulling out. It is. It's a lot, of, a lot of windshield time for me, for sure. So Now, uh, since we are alive, we're hearing some birthday in the background. So. <laughs> and I see birthday cake. You oh, know. Maybe, maybe they'll bring us a piece of That over. would be great. That would be great. <laughs> I doubt so it. So, Nick, tell us about, you know, what are those policy issues mm -hmm that NDA takes on and you know what are a couple of the priority ones right now you know a lot of the average deer hunters I think don't recognize the number of issues that are going on at any one time that impact deer so it's not it's not always an issue by the way that, that just impacts deer directly so let's say for example it's management of predators somewhere well that's very much a deer issue um, I know you do a lot of work on the, with the sage grouse issue right. Right? well that's very much related to, to mule deer issues and things and, and habitat issues and uh, so there are there are probably 
at least 50, but maybe the real answer is closer to 100 different issues that impact deer in some way right now in the country. Uh, so realistically, we're, we're small, so we can't work on all 100 of those issues. We're aware of them, so we have to break those down into some real key priority areas. And I can tell you, uh, we, have, we have five key focus areas, but to boil that down even further, the last two years, our, our focus has really been two things. It's been chronic wasting disease, which we believe is the biggest threat to deer uh, and deer hunting right now. And also the idea of hunter access, public lands, making sure people have a place to hunt. Because, again, we can't chase all the issues. We have to prioritize, and those are the biggies right now. Right, and, you know, we hear about that access stuff all the time. But getting back to chronic wasting disease, tell us a little bit about this disease. Because for a lot of our listeners, this is going to be something new. And, you know, why should hunters and, and conservationists be concerned about this? Sure. Yeah, and hopefully CWD isn't totally new uh, because there's, there have been, unfortunately, it's been negative press, and it is a 100% fatal disease, so the press is going to be negative on it for sure. Uh, but it's spreading throughout the country on a, on a pretty um, rapid basis right now. As a matter of fact, Mississippi just announced yesterday that they found it for the first time in that state, so that's a brand-new state. Uh, Pennsylvania, where we're from, they had never had it in the eastern half of the state. Well, they're about to announce that they found it on a deer farm in the eastern half of the they state. They saw 203 samples from Nebraska just Nebraska, this week. absolutely. And then, of course, here in the west where we're sitting, um, Colorado, for example, is kind of in Wyoming can be ground zero for CWD in this part of the country, and mule deer in particular. It's a brain disease, and it's transmitted through bodily fluids interaction among deer. And if you think about a mule deer... Uh, that's going to travel to a winter range and interact with a lot of other mule deer in a herding environment, which is a little bit different than a whitetail. Uh, that's a, unfortunately, winter grounds become prime breeding grounds for yeah. uh, transmitting CWD. Uh, you know, we could talk a long time about the details of CWD, but I, I think what I want to boil it down to is that everybody needs to educate themselves on this disease. You can go to cwd-info.org is the best site for the most comprehensive information. But you have responsibilities as a hunter in terms of helping manage, manage the disease. We don't want to scare people away from hunting because hunters are critical to, well, they're critical to a lot of things, but in terms of collecting samples and getting information, the state agencies need you. You brought up Montana. They just had a special hunt in the state to try to understand where the boundaries of CWD are in the state since it's still, it's, it's relatively new here in, in, Mon, or in Montana where it was found. So understanding those boundaries are important. Hunters play a big role in that. But, you know, just as a broad example, I was just talking with an elk outfitter uh, from, from Montana just a little bit ago. And he, he was even unaware that people can't take an elk, for example, and then just take it back to the eastern United States. And all these states, they can't take the head back. Right. And you can't take the spinal cord back. So educate yourself on what your state laws are. Understand that moving animals, dead or alive, can be a, a real dangerous way to spread that disease. And also understand that, like I said before, it is 100% fatal. It's very contagious. And we're doing the best we can right now to try to arm ourselves with better tools, understand how it spreads a little bit better. Um, but it's a scary thing. And people should be concerned about it, but also understand what they can do to, to help deal with it. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned Montana. Um, I live where the outbreak happens. And, you know, Chad, I know you've been working on the... Uh, the Volunteer Citizen Advisory Committee with the mm -hmm. Montana Department of Fish and Game. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, the, the department decided that uh, it was, you know, CWD was something that is you know, obviously pretty important. And about, about a year ago, they decided to put together a citizen advisory panel 
um, and try to bring in, you know, people from uh, kind of all over, all across the state. Um, bring in, you know, hunters, uh, representatives of NGO, uh, NGOs, representatives of uh, the state, and then landowners, and kind of put put our heads together and try to come up with a plan for uh, surveillance, trying to find the disease, and then detection, you know, once it's been found. And so, you know. Um, it hadn't been found in wild cervids in Montana until just recently, until this fall. Uh, but uh, about a year ago, the state decided they wanted to put together this panel and start to think through, you know, this whole process because it, they knew that it was on either side of our, on several sides of the Montana border in other states and provinces, and and uh, they kind of knew that the train was coming down the tracks and we needed to to try to get ahead of it. And so, and you guys have developed a management strategy, I guess, that's still in draft. Uh, yeah, and so kind of what happened was um, we spent, you know, about six to eight months putting together a surveillance uh, plan, you know, trying to find the disease and then a detection plan. And, you know, as, as it was in the process of being uh, approved by the, the uh, Fish and Wildlife Commission, within about, I think, maybe a week of that meeting, we had our first detection. And so at that point, we go into detection mode, and then they had to go uh, basically to the commission and have an emergency plan uh, approved so we actually were still in the process of like drafting and getting the plan approved when we had the first detection in montana which was this fall uh from a hunter down in your neck of the woods uh south of red lodge right um, and so how did so how did the department react what did they do you know as an emergency situation i i, I believe yeah. they used hunters right yeah so it, and and one of the things that was um, discussed by this panel over the last year was kind of the post detection and um, getting an immediate sampling post detection was uh, was a priority of the plan and so um, they decided to uh, put together a special hunt and try to get an idea of the disease's prevalence and so uh, post detection there was a special uh, they issued. Uh, I, I believe they issued a thousand permits or so, um, something in that in that ballpark, uh, half whitetail, half mule deer, and trying to get a sampling of like 400 total deer, I believe, somewhere in that neighborhood, um, and just trying to get an idea of, of prevalence in the area. Uh, and then while that was going on, of course, there was another detection up on the Alberta border, uh, north of Chester as well. And so, as the hunt was beginning down in the Red Lodge area, they they had to uh, uh, impose another hunt up in the north part of the state and and basically any hunters could um, any hunters that wanted to be a part of it could they had to apply online or go to an FWP office and uh, and buy a permit uh, they did limit the buck permits um, so it was kind of a first come first serve but they had a really good response i mean hunters came out and, and they sold and out pretty quickly from what sold I out very yeah. very quickly yeah. i know we saw quite a few that first weekend uh down where I live, uh, just east of us, you know, we saw a lot of folks coming, particularly the ones that had the either sex tag, mm -hmm. um, looking to, you know, maybe get a nice buck. But, um, you know, one of the things that folks don't maybe understand is, you know, once it's in the area, it's there, correct? Correct. Yeah, and in a, in a scary way. So we're learning now that it can be taken up in the soil. And if you, um, yeah, this is more in the eastern part of the country. We have a, a an issue with controversy around deer farming, for example. And if they find positive samples on a deer farm, that farm gets depopulated. But they're finding out that it's not like you can just come in and sanitize it, and CWD's gone. You have to 
essentially fence these areas out and keep anything out of them for 15, maybe 20 years. Oh, wow. Before, could... Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then it might even be longer than that. If it's in the wild, how do you do that? I mean, Well, that's, that's, that's just one of the issues, right? So how do you do that? I think what we're really trying to do less than – we live in a society where, right now where I think people are used to the idea that if you're sick, you take a pill, it gets better. You get a shot to prevent something. You don't do that in the wild. Uh, we're really talking about management of this disease now and, and just the, the entire thing that uh, Chad just explained with the bringing hunters in and trying to kill a lot of deer to get samples. What they're really trying to do is really hone in on where the extent of the disease is and try to keep it there and not let it go to these other places. So it's really about keeping it in place. And, and that's progress. That is, by the way, that is great progress that we're even doing this. The state agencies are trying to get out ahead of it. That's new. But we see a lot of other states that don't have it yet doing the same thing. So that's a positive. Yeah, and we hear the horror stories about what happened in Wisconsin so many years ago at the scorched earth. And, you know, uh, one of the things that I know locally I've been telling folks is, you know, CWD is going to be in your bucks more than your does. So reduction of buck density could be a result of trying to keep this disease in check. Is that correct, guys? Yeah, to a, to a point. I, I think the, the, the bigger issue on prevalence is it mostly shows up in older deer. So, for example, um, a lot of people in this building right now are buying hunts looking for a big mule deer, okay? To, for a mule deer to become a big mule deer, it's got to get some age to it. Right. But then on the same token, we understand that older deer are more susceptible to ultimately getting CWD or they're carrying it. Let's say they got it by the time they were two years old and they, they contracted it. They can go two, three years with the disease, spreading it, before they even show symptoms. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden they show symptoms and they die. So there's a lot of discussion about should we be letting deer get to older age classes. Bucks do, older bucks in particular, do tend to be more susceptible. Just the same thing with like EHD or blue tongue, very similar uh, to that. But uh, yeah, it's a, um, it, it can be a real quandary if you look at all the yeah. little tentacles and things that it reaches into. Now... What should we do? I mean, can we eat infected meat? I mean, what's the risk there? The Center for Disease Control recommends that you don't eat a deer that has CWD. You need to get that deer tested. If you live in a state that has CWD, and especially if you live in an area where you might be near one of the management zones, get the deer tested before you eat it. Uh, get that test back. Once you find out it's negative, you're, you're good to go. And some people, the, to take a step back, it is never been shown that CWD has leaped the species barrier to human beings. There was a study that, that people that are listening can find that was done on macaque monkeys, which are not human beings. That's the Canadian study. That's that the Canadian hear, yeah. study, and there were uh, some scientists from Germany as well involved in that. And the macaque monkeys did contract the disease, but you have to also keep in mind the methods that were used were not typical of you or I eating venison that may have been tainted with CWD, but the Center for Disease Control says there's no evidence of a transmission to humans. However, we recommend that if you have a positive deer, don't eat it. And the way to solve that problem is to just get it tested. And we are, there are a lot of people doing research to figure out how to get that test as, back as quickly as possible. Right now, you can get it back in a few days. I would love to see the day when you can get that test back within even a day or even the same day right. with an in-field kit. So those are the types of things we're working on. Now, Chad, how did the Mon- Man- Montana hunters and your members respond to this are they aware of it is it something that's you know that they're okay with um you know it sounds to me like there could be some extra cost involved with testing and then you may not be able to eat the meat yeah 
Um, yeah, so I think that was part of the probably part of the reason that um, you know we were involved in this process was was getting the information out to members in the public about the disease because a lot of Montanans just you know I mean they didn't know didn't know about it you know and it's something that's new to Montana. Um, so I think overall uh, you know through public outreach, a lot of people have been supportive of. Uh, of you know the Department of Fish, Wildlife, and Parks trying to get out ahead and and a lot of the uh, kind of aggressive efforts that that they're trying to impose to to get an idea of prevalence and control of this disease. Um, I, I think people have been pretty pretty positive about that, but certainly there's a lot of people are concerned. I mean, it's scary, and they don't know that it's not. It hasn't been proven that it's that it can be transmissible to humans, but we don't know for sure that it can't. So people are. Uh, uh, you know, people are a little bit worried about it, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, overall, I think people are starting to, to understand a little bit more and be supportive of, of the, the agency's efforts. And there is, there is a considerable amount of cost, uh, uh, additional cost involved with, um, you know, adding check stations and adding uh, full-time employees to, to, to carry out the testing efforts. And, and so I think that's something also that the Mildred Foundation has kind of jumped on and, and trying to help. Uh, we've already uh, granted uh, FWP some money for uh, post-detection efforts, and, and we're, I know that we've already got some money earmarked for, more money earmarked for 2018 to do the same. So Yeah, and I know uh, Senator Tester from Montana has introduced a piece of legislation nationally. Uh, Nick, Correct. it's called the... Uh, it's the CWD, uh, Bipartisan CWD Management Act. And it actually started on the House side of the federal government. It was uh, one Republican, one re uh, Democratic legislator in Wisconsin uh, sponsored the bill on the House side. And then Senator Tester on the Senate side, and with, with it just propping up in Montana, his state, uh, ran uh, almost an identical bill on the Senate side. And it would bring $45 million to states and tribes and researchers to do things like monitoring, to do research, of course, and um, just really just get a better handle on on how to manage the disease better and as i and as i said the other night uh, when i spoke at the event here that's great we want the government involved to help support those efforts to bring the money in but things like the mule deer foundation given additional money that's additive uh, but at the end of the day this is going to fall to all of us as sportsmen to deal with this and i just tell people let's don't sit there and expect that somebody's going to come walking in and say hey we're here to solve the problem with cwd that has never happened in our history with any <laughs> hunting or conservation issue. And I just tell people we need to own this. This is, that uh, we can't live in our fears. We have to accept it that it's out there. We have to own it. And sportsmen are going to have to be the ones to carry the water and make this happen. So let's not be afraid of it. Let's get educated and do our part. Well, Nick, you've heard me say many times that I believe that this is going to really change the way we manage big game that could be carrying this disease. And we need to shape how that happens, not react to how that happens. So yeah, yeah, gain control for sure. Now, shifting gears a little bit, Nick, uh, I saw recently that uh, the president of the Mule Deer Foundation, Miles Moretti, is now your board chair. Hmm. Tell us a little bit about the history. You know, how did that happen? Did he just be out of the room when that happened? <laughs> or, you know, I know they've been a big supporter and they were there from the beginning, you know. The Mule Deer Foundation has been an incredibly consistent and dedicated supporter of NDA. Um, they have actually, of the three deer groups that are on our board, the Mule Deer Foundation, Whitetails Unlimited, and QDMA, Mule Deer Foundation has contributed the most money. 
and Miles has been on the board, and he was on the forming committee when the NDA was being formed. And when the decision was made, frankly, that we wouldn't be a whitetail organization, we would be an all-deer organization, which is really unique. We're the only all-deer organization. And really, uh, Miles is beyond what he's doing just for mule deer. He's also plugged in on a national level. I see him at all the same meetings I'm at in D.C., and he's plugged into the, 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 the TRCP, Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership Policy Committee, where we work on these national issues, and the Mule Deer Working Group. And so he's very knowledgeable and uh, believes in what we're doing with the NDA. And when our former chairman, Jay Mackinich, he's going to be retiring, or he very close the next few days, he'll actually be officially retired. Uh, his term was up, and it was time to elect someone else. And it was just very easy to say, you know what, this is a great opportunity for Miles. We hope he's interested. And we did have, uh, to be fair, we had conversation with him ahead of time to make sure he was interested. And, um, and, he, and he seems to be excited about doing it. So. Well, I think I can only see that strengthening the partnership. And, you know, now you've got a Western Deer guy helping you out. Chad, what's, what's next for you in Montana? Where You know, what's next with the CWD monitoring? What are you excited about in this upcoming year? Yeah, well, I think uh, as far as um, CWD, I mean, I think we're just going to keep helping the state ramp up their efforts to uh, test as many deer as we can and get the word out to the public that, hey, this is important, and make sure you take your deer to check stations and make sure you abide by by all the uh, regulations, which I uh, suspect are going to be tightened up in future hunting seasons as far as reporting goes. And so... Um, I think we're just going to keep doing everything that we can with the state to help that effort. And as far as the Mule Deer Foundation uh, as a whole in the state of Montana, I mean, we're, we're right now we're in the heart of our fundraising season, and, and that's pretty exciting because we've got, uh, we've got a, a few new chapters, and we've got some, some uh, chapters that are really starting to come on and, and raise a lot of money for the, for the organization. And we just had our, our grant program, our 2018 grant program meeting, and we allocated uh, over $100,000 to Habitat projects throughout the state, and that's uh, a record for our program in Montana, and, and that's because our chapters are stepping up and raising more money. So I think that's the goal for 2018 is to really uh, to step up our fundraising game and so we can we can hopefully you know double that amount we're putting on the ground next year into habitat projects. Now to learn more and find out where there's chapters, they can go to the folks can go to the MuleDeer.org website, click on Montana, and Correct. all your information, all the chapter information will be there. All the chapter information is on there, and, and we're working to grow that site too, and and pr- start putting project information on there. And um, you can also go to our Mule Deer Foundation Montana Facebook page, and we we put information about local events, local habitat projects. Uh, on that page as well. So those are both good resources. Yeah, awesome. And Nick, how can we learn more about the National Deer Alliance and the work you're doing? Yep, so just go to nationaldeeralliance.com and the easiest thing to do is just sign up for our newsletter. We put out all the deer news from across the country every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Eastern time. That hits people's (laughs) mailboxes. So it'll be a little bit uh, earlier here for folks here, but you'll you'll wake up to it, which is a cool thing. And also you can follow our, our Facebook page where on a daily basis we are putting out what the, what the latest deer news is. Um, and, and just a matter of fact, this morning I put out stuff talking about this event and Secretary Zinke's signing of the proclamation yesterday and shared the Mule Deer Foundation press release there. So that's the best Well, way. guys, I can't tell you how encouraged we are to have folks like you working on the CWD issue, advocating for mule deer and all deer 
and we're really thankful that you took some time out of your busy schedules to come talk to us today. So, Nick, Chad, thank you very much. Thank you. And this is Steve Belinda from the MDF Podcast Booth signing off. Thank you. Thanks for talking Mule Deer with Steve Belinda and Jody Stemmler. The Mule Deer Foundation is the only conservation group in North America dedicated to restoring, improving, and protecting mule deer and black-tailed deer and their habitat. MDF is a strong voice for hunters in access, wildlife management, and conservation policy issues. To find out more, visit www.muledeer.org and stay tuned for the next episode of Talkin' Mule Deer.